Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you because I want God to help you. I want God's breakthrough in your life. Just before I do, what do you want God to do for you? Do you want his guidance? Do you want his help? What, what, like, do you want, what, what do you want God to do for you? I probably want that too, unless it's bad for me. <laughs> I, bet, I, I definitely want that too. Let me bless you as we get going. I bless you now in the name of Jesus, that you would know Jesus more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing if you need healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, in your spirit. I, I bless you to receive the guidance from God that you need today. The help from God that you need today. I I bless you to flourish and prevail over whatever challenges you're experiencing in your life right now. And I bless you to feel hope today. I bless you to feel peace today. I bless you to feel love today. I bless you to feel joy today, whatever is happening in your life. I bless you with that. In the name of Jesus, may it be. Amen. All right, we are in our Moses series. Today we're going to talk about humility and being humble. What, what is humility? Humility is one of the most significant things, humanly speaking, that we can do to set up an avalanche of God's goodness dumping all over our lives. Now that's kind of a twist. It's a good avalanche, and that's a pretty rough uh, statement there. I get it. But if you, if you want lots of God's goodness pouring in onto your life, then humility is one of the most key paths and priorities that you're going you're gonna to want to walk. We're going to be in, in Numbers 12 today, but, but I can't talk about humility without thinking of Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says this, mankind, he, God has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you to act justly. To love faithfulness and to walk humbly with your God. So again, we're going to be talking about Numbers 12 today and and walking humbly with our God and how we do that day after day, the kinds of things we do week after week, month after month, year after year, in easy seasons, in victory seasons, in difficult seasons, in all seasons, and how that consistency, that faithfulness to, to live humbly before God, to walk humbly with God, how it brings about these incredible perks, and we want them. That's what we want. We want these incredible perks when it comes to walking humbly with God. If I was to ever write a book on leadership, this chapter we're looking at today would be at the sole heart of the whole book. This this stuff, I just feel like this captures it for leaders and, and for life. Anyways, if you're new or... 
Visiting, get ready. We'll get ready. We are in a, in a series uh, on Moses. We're a long ways out of slavery, praise God. And we have crossed the Red Sea over a year ago. We have been to Mount Sinai. We have seen those incredible um, moments, God moments at Mount Sinai. Now we are leaving Mount Sinai and we are on our way towards the promised land. Spies next week. Uh, but we're getting, we're getting there on our journey. Um, I have a map of where we're going. We are on our way, says the Bible, to the wilderness of Paran. So we've got this, uh, this journey, wilderness of Paran. Um, on this journey, we had a, a chat last week. And that's where basically last week we saw how God killed off all the foodies uh, of the nation. And you know you're a foodie if you would rather be in slavery in Egypt, in evil slavery but with cucumbers, uh, than have to lower yourselves to eat this manna which tastes like finest pastries every day. I mean, that's, that's one of the clear, obvious definitions of I'm a foodie if. So, so um, much to Moses' delight, the, the annoying foodies have been dealt with, and now... The nation is continuing to progress towards the wilderness of Paran. I imagine us being a lot more closer because at the end of this chapter, we arrive at the wilderness of Paran. That picture there is a random area getting close to the wilderness of Paran. All the pictures basically look the same to me. Dry, hot, and awful, right? That's, that's basically this area where, where we're going through and where, where the, the nation is, is traveling through. So somewhere in this area, in a region something like this, uh, there's a, an event that takes place with Moses and his brother and sister. Let me, let me read from Numbers chapter 12 here. So it says this in verse 3. Miriam and Aaron, sister and brother, older sister, older brother, criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he married, for he had married a Cushite woman. I think we got that, but okay. <laughs> they said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Now, before you make a joke about that line, let's just read the rest of the story of what happens to people who kind of take shots at Moses. Uh, I'm going to leave that one to the side. So Moses being very humble. Okay, so. Here we are, before we get any further into the story, there are four characters that are central to all that's happening in this chapter. I'm going to just give us a quick background to these characters so we can see what, what is at stake, what is going on here. There is the, there is the uh, Cushite wife of Moses, there is Sister Miriam, and there is Brother Aaron, and then, and then Moses. Okay, so first of all, Moses' Cushite wife. Now... There is no other mention of this woman in the Bible, no mention of any children uh, from Moses and this Cushite uh, woman. If you are a good Western monogamous Christian, and I pray you all are, uh, then you, you might kind of speculate along the lines of, okay, so M Moses, he, he was married to Zipporah, we know that, has a couple kids with Zipporah, Midianite wife, and Maybe now she's died, and Moses is kind of walking through the camp, and he sees this Cushite girl who catches his eye. And, and you know, because we know from the Bible that it's not just Hebrews in the camp, that other slaves came out with them from other nations. Maybe a Cushite among them. And now that Zipporah has died, being the, 
you know, being what it is, then he, he marries this Cushite woman and brother and sister don't like the new wife or something, something along those lines, right? Um, maybe, maybe we like that story, but, let, you know, it's completely made up, right? Just <laughs> no, no, no basis anywhere uh, other than tell the story as you wish it was. Nothing says that Zipporah has died. Nothing says that this Cushite is a new wife uh, who is, came out of slavery with them. So the Bible doesn't say anything, but history does. History does, and actually very reliable history does. So Artapanus, we've talked about Artapanus. Artapanus is an extremely excellent scholar. He's writing in the 300s, 320-ish B.C., 320 B.C., and he is in the, the great legendary library uh, in Alexandria, Egypt, with, with all, like, you know, they say every book in the world, mm, uh, probably not, but, like, like with, with all these things, uh, what, I wasn't there, I can't, why did I judge? I don't know, uh, but he has all the resources of the library at his disposal, and the new Greek government, following out of Alexander the great, Great's uh, takeover of Egypt, the Greek government has commissioned him to explain why there's so many Jews, in Egypt. What is their story? And so he, using all the resources of, of the Egyptian library, writes out the entire story of the Jewish people in Egypt. It's called Concerning the Jews. So he has all this research there. Very, very reliable stuff. Great, great fire happens, or the not great fire, however you want to call it. A huge fire that's not great happens, um, and his, his original book burns. But a lot of it has been preserved because it was such a, an essential resource and it had been copied and it, and it had quotes all over the place. So a lot of the, a lot of the information uh, survived the fire. And this is what we learn from Artapanus and specifically as other people are quoting from him throughout the time. Um, basically, we discover about Moses, that Moses, when he was in his mid-20s, there was a very uh, scary, huge invasion from uh, from the Kushites in the south. The Kushites um, next to e Ethiopia, and they had taken over Ethiopia at the time. Josephus tells us, having, having access to Artapanus' work, again, that the invasion was really successful, and he writes this. This is from Josephus via Artap Artapanus via Josephus. It says, they, the Ethiopians or the Kushites, proceeded as far as Memphis and to the sea itself, while not one of the cities was able to oppose them, he, Moses, came upon the Ethiopians before they expected him, and joining battle with them, he beat them and deprived them of their hopes they had of success against the Egyptians, and he went on in overthrowing their cities and indeed made a great slaughter of the Ethiopians. That's from Josephus. So according to history, the, this, the army commander, Prince Moses, who uh, pushes the invaders back, all the way till he lays siege to their home city, their capital city, which is named Karma. Here, no, not Karma, Kerma. Kerma, uh, which is here on, on a map, and you can see the ruins of that very city there. Uh, Kerma. Um, yeah, I, if some of you are wondering, I've not been able to verify this in any way. If you're wondering if this is the uh, original birthplace of a particular speaking green frog, uh, hi-ho, no, I don't think that is the place. Anyway, so, um, Artapanus, he tells us, though, that the campaign here and the siege lasted 10 years. 
and that eventually peace was secured, arranged via the marriage of the Cushite king's daughter, Princess Maris. No, no, Princess Maris, that'd be gross, that's his mom. Princess Tharbis, Tharbis, T-H-A-R-B-I-S. Princess Tharbis to uh, Prince Moses. And Princess Tharbis stays in the capital here, and Moses returns to Egypt. So, is it true? Uh... All I can say is any other version is completely made up. There is no other story uh, in, in history or in the Bible. Uh, this is based on Artapanus, which is a pretty great source, and other people who are referencing his source. Seems, seems, seems pretty reasonable. Seems pretty reasonable. Uh, as likely as anything else. Actually, more likely than anything else, because it has some, some significant merit behind it. It seems that, then, that when Miriam and Aaron are confronting Moses and this wife of his, they might have been married now for 50 years. This would have been his first wife, uh, maybe five, six years before he marries Zipporah, uh, his first wife. And, and so then you're thinking, okay, man, it's been 50 years, and you're, you're giving your brother a hard time for his for his, his wife here 50 years on, and what, do you, what are you thinking? Do you, you, you think he should be divorcing his, his wife because she's not a Hebrew after 50 years of marriage? Is that what you're, I mean, Zipporah's not a Hebrew, but I guess she is a descendant of Abraham, Midian, and, and all that. Like, what's going on here? Okay, so that's potentially some background behind this Cushite wife, according to history. Uh, Miriam is another person in this, in this story, Moses' older sister, probably Moses' oldest living relative at the moment, uh, at least in close family. His father Amram and mother Jochebed are probably not alive at this point anymore. So Moses and, and Miriam. The picture here, uh, you can see kind of in the map up where, it, what they're, where they're at. Well, Moses is born up in what we call Avaris today. Um, or Ramses today. He's up there, and this is obviously a reconstruction over the real river and over the ruins. But um, Moses is placed in a basket here. He floats down the river to the princess's bathing area, which is going to be right out here in front of the palace on the, on the Nile banks there. Um, Moses' basket gets stuck in the reeds, and the princess finds Moses and draws him out. At this point, his sister comes to the steps forward, maybe seven years old, nothing in history or the Bible tells us how old she is, but the most common speculation is seven, so just reminding you, completely made up, and she steps forward, however old, 50, I don't know, uh, she steps forward and say, hey, can I get a, do you want me to get a Hebrew midwife to, to nurse uh, this baby for you, and the princess says yes, so that would be happening right there on the banks of the Nile River, right in front of the, the palace. That has been excavated, and then that's a reconstruction of the actual picture. So that's the case. Now, Miriam, not only does she save Moses as a child, as, as his older, oldest, oldest known sibling, oldest mentioned sibling in the Bible, um, also she's the first woman to be called in the Bible a prophet, a prophetess. She's the first declared prophetess in scripture by scripture. Very significant. She is also 
apparently one of the leaders of the nation. If you look at Micah 6, chapter 6, 4, you're going to get the sense that God sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to go in front of the people, to lead the people uh, out. Uh, Miriam is leading the nation in worship after coming through the Red Sea. She has a very significant leader role in the nation, a prophet role in the nation, and she's Moses' oldest eldest sibling, which uh, only matters if you're firstborn like me. Anyways, <laughs> so you've got Miriam, and then you've got uh, his older brother by three years, Aaron. We do know Aaron is three years older. And Aaron is the high priest of the nation, the one who was with Moses every time that he confronts Pharaoh. Uh, here's, a, here's a picture here and a map of, of one of their more common areas where they confront Pharaoh together. Um, it's down in uh, Luxor, we might call it Luxor, and that picture is the temple complex. The palace is just directly south of the temple complex, but those ruins are cooler, and so I put them on the screen. But the same place there, and remember, it's Aaron and Moses together. Many of the, the confronting Pharaoh things happen here in Luxor, and we know that in the Bible because uh, we, we know there's two palaces that the that the pharaohs have, a summer palace and a winter palace. Then one, is, one of them is up north in Avaris. But a lot of the plagues, you, they need to have been confronted down here in the south because there's distinction being made, like darkness. It's dark down here, but where the Hebrews live, up north, it's light. And so you, you know, okay, we're not in the northern palace, we're in the southern palace where this con confrontation takes place. And there's other confrontations. So yeah, Aaron's with him the whole time. And, you know, depending on how you, you look at it, it seems like Aaron is actually the one implementing with God's power. Moses is kind of there. It's, there there's quite a connection there in, that, in, in all those power moments. But Aaron is a very significant person in this, in this whole story. So all that to say, that's, that's our picture. That's the people picture as far as, you know, uh, we can see here. You've got Miriam and Aaron confronting Younger Moses, uh, and, you know, he's only, at this point, he's probably only 82 years old. So, uh, confronting him, and with this potential wife, Princess Tharbis, 50 years issue going on. I mean, families, right? Yeah, families. Let's look at this story. Let me, let me read it for us now. It says this in uh, Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron criticized... Moses, because of the Cushite woman he had married, for he'd married a Cushite woman. Thank you. They said, does the Lord only speak through Moses? Does he not also speak through us? And the Lord heard it. Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, you three come out of, to the tent of meeting. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord descended in a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance to the tent, and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them came forward, he said, listen to what I say. If there is a prophet among you from the Lord, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my household. I speak with him directly, openly. And not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So why were you not afraid to speak against 
my servant Moses. By the way, speaking against, that is a, another definition of their criticizing Moses. This is how God is seeing this. You're speaking against, you criticize, you're speaking against my servant Moses. The Lord's anger burned against them and he left. As the cloud moved away from the tent, Miriam's skin suddenly became diseased, resembling snow. When Aaron turned towards her, he saw she was diseased and said to Moses, Lord, please, it, it, it continues on. And then Moses cried out to the Lord, verse 13, God, please heal her. The Lord answered Moses, if her father had merely spit in her face, wouldn't she remain in disgrace for seven days? Let her be confined outside the camp for seven days. After that, she may be brought back in. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until Miriam was brought back in. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Okay, so in case we've forgotten, we're talking about humility today. We're talking about being humble. We're talking about being humble like Moses. What does it take to be someone to live in such a way where you get to receive the perks of of, of, of being humble before God, like an avalanche of his goodness in, in your life, the kind of the things from God that you definitely want. So I first want to look at Moses here and just say, okay, what does Moses-like humility look like? What is the kind of humility look like that we want to have as, as leaders or as people who follow God? The, the first thing that we see uh, in verse 7 is this idea of Moses being faithful, God says. He's faithful in all my household. So number one, the humble faithfully follow God with integrity. With integrity. Humble, hum the humble faithfully follow God with integrity. Now, we see this so often in Moses' journey. Uh, he has a lot of moments where he's got to figure out if he's going to follow God or not. Okay, he's on the way to the promised land, and God says, no, turn back and go to this dead-end place along the Red Sea. Okay? Am I going to, integrity is, do I do what God tells me to do? Or am I, am I follow the commands of God? Okay? Sure, I will follow the commands of God. That's integrity. Um, you know, come up onto this terrifying mountain. Okay, I will obey the commands of God. God says, strike this rock. I strike this rock. I'm obeying the commands of God. That is integrity. Moses is far from perfect. He makes some really big mistakes. However, his mindset, his life set, his life set is, is to follow God and to lead his people to follow the commands of God as well. Obeying the commands of God with, with integrity. The humble leader, the humble person, the humble leader, though, the humble person is always assessing themselves in the area of integrity. And they ask themselves, time after time, how is my integrity these days? As I assess my life, even when I ask that question, what is coming to mind that I'm trying to push into the corner? How is my integrity these days? How, how is my passion to be a person of integrity? Do I even want to be? Am I, am I, do I, am I passionate about having integrity and being a, a man or a woman of integrity? Is that a drive of my heart? If it's not the drive of your heart, it's, it, you're not going to make great progress on that one. How is my integrity these days? The humble, faithfully follow the commands of God with integrity. integrity. Number two, 
The humble surrender everything God places under their leadership to his direction. Now, Moses has been faithful to follow God, and, and of course that just generally includes, you know, following God's plans and purposes for him and for the nation that he's leading. But in my Bible here, you know, it says he is faithful in all my household, but there's a footnote. And translation footnotes, um, they're, they're kind of common, but they cut out, they filter through a lot of them. There's a lot of sometimes translation questions, but the most significant ones make the footnotes, and this is a significant one. The translators are like, it could also be translated, is entrusted with. Like, uh, Moses is entrusted with my household, entrusted to be the leader of my household here. There, there is, the, the translator, it's, it's got faithfulness for sure, entrusting also flavors. I got, we got to put that in the footnote. So you've got this, you've got this thing about Moses being this humble person who is being faithful as he's being entrusted with this leadership role in the nation. Moses has done a good job in this nation, leading the nation on God's path for the nation. Moses has avoided leading the nation as he sees fit and with his, his plans. Let's get to the promised land. Let's go this way. No, he, he, Moses has continued like, God, this is your nation that you've entrusted me with. I, you gave me this nation. I am looking to you to tell me how to lead and where to lead this, this nation. How do you direct me to lead them? Christian leadership, godly leadership, it's not just about being a good Christian who leads, uh, having integrity, I guess. Uh, Christian leadership, godly leadership, is when you lead your people following God's plans. When you lead your group or your leadership domain as God directs for your domain. Like, God gives us leadership domains. Some, for some it's larger, for some it's smaller. Moses has a nation. Uh, some people have businesses. Some people have teams that they're on. Some people have uh, friendship groups where they're a leadership. Some people have families. They lead their families. Some people lead themselves. And so, so that could be the hardest one. Self-leadership. I, I, but, you know, lead yourself well, faithful with little, faithful with much, Right? But we have these leadership domains in our lives, and, and the humble leader says, okay, this is my domain of leadership. It, it's, I'm not just going to apply godly principles to it. I'm going to apply God's direction to it. God, my domain is your domain. So what do you want me to do? I've got these thoughts. You want me to do what? <laughs> Uh, you know, but it's, it's that surrender. It's, it's that the, 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 humble, the humble people are, are taking their domains and saying, God, this is, this is your domain. This is your domain. Number two. Number three. The humble keep going and don't quit no matter how hard things get unless God says to make a change. Now, think about Moses last week, right? He wanted God to kill him and kill him now. He was at the bottom. He, was, he, he asked God to end his life, uh, and, and, and yet, you know, God said no. The humble are not weak. In fact, the, the, the humble must be the most resilient. The humble must be the most audacious, bold, tough, the most 
resistant to breaking and cracking. The, the, the humble need to, to be strong because they're, they're not ones who will ever give up. They're never going to give up unless God says, no, Moses, I'm done. I quit. And God's like, no, you, you're, no, no. Elijah's going to have the same moment. God, just take my life now. No, no, you, you got to keep going. Until God says it's time to change, uh, the humble stick with it because they are not putting their feelings, their wants, or their desires in the first place. They are, they are saying submitted to God's plans and purposes for their lives. And that is really hard to do when you feel like you have nothing left, you hate everything, and you just are done. Like, God, kill me now. Like, that, that takes humility to submit your desires under God. Now, a few years ago, I got to a point, not where I was wanted God to kill me now, but uh, where I quit. I quit. I, I, a couple years ago, I was having one of those places, and I was just, I just was overwhelmed. Rehope, church, all that kind of stuff. And I was just by myself, and I just remember sitting there and just being like, I quit. I will turn in my paper on Monday. I can't do this anymore. I, I'm overwhelmed. It's too hard. It's too painful. It's too challenging. It's just, so I just, I quit. Uh, God said No. Obviously. And, and I didn't, in case you're still wondering. Wow. Oh, this is, this is what quitting looks like for Brian. Anyways, and I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, but I know that the, the agony of feeling so convinced and so overwhelmed by something and the, the, the challenge of having to submit yourself under God's leading and purposes and plans for your life when you don't want to, when you, when you don't feel like you can. The question is, who has decision-making control of your life? Is it your feelings? Is it what you think you can do? Is it what you want? Or does God override all of that? And for the humble, the, hu the humble follow God, and, and the rest has to follow God. Now, I would I would have never imagined, by the way, rehope like this, uh, you know, those years ago and locations and remodeled and, I mean, a five-meter screen, huh, yeah. <laughs> That's just so thankful, so thankful. Um, when Jesus says keep going, uh, someday you're going to be able to testify of God's goodness and, and how it was good and right to keep trusting him and keep going forward. Anyways, uh, yeah, who gets decision-making control? The, the, the humble keep going. They're tough, they're resilient. Number four. The humble grow and pursue great communication closeness with God. I mean, the, the question, how do you know if God's saying give up or not? Well, well, that's because, I mean, Moses can know because he has a great communication closeness with God. We see Moses in the tent of meeting quite a bit. We see him up on the mountain back when they were at the mountain meeting with God quite a bit. The humble spend loads of their time with Jesus. Loads of their time praying, loads of their time learning to hear accurately from God. And that is a growth process, to hear from Jesus, 
to learn to discern, to, to, to learn when God is speaking, when it's just making things up, when, when, you're, when you're on. Right? But, but for the humble, they're like, my whole life depends on following God, so I need to learn how to hear from him so I can do that. It becomes the prime ambition, one of the prime ambitions, one of the highest ambitions of my life to learn how to hear from God because the only way the humble can submit to God's leading is if they know what God's leading is. So you see that with Moses. He's just growing in this. If you want to follow God like Moses, if you want to be a leader like Moses, you have to be a listener like Moses. You want to follow God like Moses or be a leader like Moses, you have to learn how to listen like Moses and have a, that Jesus time, one who knows how to talk to God and listen to God. That's, that's a priority of, of the humble. Okay, so those four things, quick humility check. Moses like humility check, how's my integrity? How's my integrity? Uh, am I leading people along God's pl- plans for our, our group or am I just... Um, being a good Christian while leading this group. Am I leading on the God's plans? Hopefully we're leading on God's plans. Am I prone to giving up when time is hard and when things hurt? Or will I submit my, my decisions to God? And number fourthly, am I growing in prayer and hearing from God's voice? Is that something that I'm leaning in on and continuing to improve on better and better? That's what a humble person lives like, prioritizes, and, and runs after. Okay, so... Looking at Moses, our example of humility here in this passage, he's being criticized here. He's being criticized by his older prophet sister and his high priest older brother about his foreign Cushite wife. And God's mad. And God's anger burns against Moses and Miriam. Nope, that's not true. Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron. Now, I I wrote a lot in my first couple drafts about this this dynamic and I just cut it all I, I cut it all uh, it just it just it just didn't quite ever feel like no, this is capturing it and so I suppose I kind of boil it all all the previous drafts down to this sentence be very careful when criticizing anyone especially one who's trying to follow God Especially someone who is trying to hear from God. Especially somebody who prays to God. I mean, the, the big warning, no matter, you might be right. You might feel like you're right. Those can be very different. But be very careful when criticizing anyone, especially somebody who's trying to follow God. Somebody who prays, someone who listens. They thought they were right. They might have even had some good Bible that Moses wrote himself. Uh, Moses, didn't you write this? Is this your handwriting here? Foreign women, let's talk about this one. But um, they were wrong. They were wrong. And God showed up to defend his humble leader. And, and, and as I said, there are, there are so many very real, powerful, wonderful, good perks to being someone who is humble, who walks humbly with God. Here's eight straight from the Bible. Perk number one, God saves the humble. Perk two, God guides and teaches the humble. God gives grace to the humble. You want grace? God gives grace to the humble. Wisdom naturally grows in the humble. Honor naturally flows or supernaturally to the humble. 
The humble are considered great in the kingdom of God. The humble are lifted up by God himself at the right time. The humble are defended by God himself, as we see in this chapter. It, it's, th th these are the kinds of things that we would want uh, as an avalanche of goodness all over our lives. This is the kind of way we want God to, to, to come to and help us in, in our lives, in our situations. Now, it's not that the humble are spared pain. Like, it's not that Moses didn't feel the stings of betrayals uh, in the nation as they turned against him. We saw that last week. Or his brother and sister criticizing him. And I don't know of any good way. And I'm, I say good way. I don't know of any good way to keep from being hurt in this life. I don't know of any good way to protect yourself rightly from, from betrayal or hurts or pains or or criticism, or, or any such thing. We, we try different things. Well, if I'm perfect, then, uh, or if I do, no. I don't know of any good way to protect, protect yourself from being hurt. But I do know uh, a good way to set yourself up for God's help when that day comes. And it's these things. Integrity. Living with integrity. Submitting your plans for your domain, your leadership domain to God, and committed to follow God in all of that. To keep going until God says stop, just keep going, submitting those life decision changes to God, and, and continue to pursue great closeness with God, with greater and greater closeness and closeness, learning to pray, learning to hear from God in prayer. I encourage you to run after being this Moses-like humble. Uh, run after being Moses like humble. If you do these things, if you walk humbly before your God, then, then you, God will save you in your time of need. God will guide you when you need guidance. He will be teaching you. He will give you grace. Wisdom will grow in your life. Uh, honor will come towards you. Uh, you'll be considered great in the kingdom of God, and God will lift you up at the right time and defend you himself. That's the kind of active help from God that we really want. And so here's the challenge. Challenge, uh, challenge is this. Which one of these things needs the most attention as you seek to grow in humility? One of them. What can you do about one of these things? Uh, faithfully follow God with integrity, okay? Like, is that, is that the one you want to work on or needs work on? You know, what, what has slipped? What has slipped? What needs an adjustment? Is it integrity? Surrender, you know, like God... I, 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 here's my domain, I give it to you, my leadership domain, I give it to you, how do you want me to lead this group, my, my work team, or whatever, forward? My home, forward. Maybe you need to keep going, uh, and you need perseverance. God, do you want me to keep going in this moment? Like, what do you want me to do right now? Or grow and uh, pursue great communication with God, Jesus, uh, taking to the next level when it comes to prayer and hearing from you. What is that? How do I take that step? Let me pray for us. God, God, I do, I do uh, thank you for um, your heart for the humble and for your help for the humble. And God, I just pray that you would cultivate us a, a holy hunger. <laughs> oh, man, I can't use that many H's in a row. For humility. God, I, please uh, give, us, give us this appetite for integrity. Uh, for a clarity at hearing from you. God, I, I pray that you would lead us forward and, and God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to, to walk in your ways.
maybe some of you just need to have a, a moment with Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I've my next step of humility that I need to move towards, and maybe in the area of integrity or whatever, is this. Help me. Strengthen me. Direct me. Guide me. And maybe you've not followed Jesus ever. Uh, you're like, no, I, I've not committed my life to follow Jesus. But that's what I'm, I want to do. I'm here. God's real. Jesus is real. It's time for me to give my life to Jesus. And I suggest praying something like this. God, here I am. I now dedicate the entirety of my life to following Jesus. Whether life is painful and hard or whether it's... Uh, Helped and, and easier, doesn't matter. I commit to following Jesus, whatever happens. Help me, forgive me, lead me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.